Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series. I'm Lynn Wolf, and I'm talking with Alan Brown, who is a Vice President for Level Up Development, a custom hardware and software development company. Brown is working to bring enhanced user experience technology to zero-turn mowers through electronic controls and true connectedness capabilities. He says some people question whether some technology does nothing more than make the equipment more complicated. When you start adding electronic controls just for the sake of electronic controls, you're you're going the wrong direction. What I focused on through other career steps is figuring out creative ways to solve problems using electronics. Then typically the problems that have not that weren't easy to solve or couldn't be solved in other ways. Listen in to our conversation where Brown provides more specifics about how new technology can enhance and improve the mowing experience. Typically with the zero turn lawnmower, when you buy it directly from the dealer and you put it in the parking lot, it'll drive pretty straight. The lap bars, everything's in pretty good alignment. When you push the six forward, they're pretty close together, or when they're pretty close to even, the machine goes pretty much straight. Anybody that's driven a zero-turn mower knows that within, you know, a relatively short period of time, all of that goes out of adjustment, and you're always having to compensate for straight. So typically, you know, one of the big uh, warranty items or big issue that that the dealers I've talked to have is readjusting the lap bars. It seems like one of the things that these machines always come in for or come in quite frequently. You know, air pressure makes a difference in the tires. The speed of the transaxles may not be the exact same. The speed of the transaxles over time may vary. There's a lot of variables that go into it. But at the end of the day, the machines don't always go straight when you want it to. Now, another challenge that typical ZT mowers have is the ability to drive straight or track straight along a hillside. And the hillside is kind of the same thing, depending on the, the hill, depending on the terrain, um, on a, a traversing a hill sideways on a zero turn, typically the nose wants to point down the hill. So you're constantly kind of trying to correct when you drive, trying to uh, steer back up the hill, trying to do this. And the same thing on, on uneven ground or rough terrain. If you're going across uneven ground or rough terrain, you're constantly having to readjust constantly having to do things. I've started thinking about it, looking at it, looking at the problems and considered some ways that we could, if we were to add electronic control in the mix somewhere between, you know, the driver and the transaxles, I can start doing a lot of cool things on that vehicle to start affecting the way that it drives, start affecting the way it controls. So for example, on the the straight line tracking on the hillside stability piece or the hillside tracking, um, one of the things that we were able to do is add, once we put electronic controls in the mix, um, we could use something called a, a gyro accelerometer. Uh, iPhones have a gyro accelerometer in them or an IMU, an immers- uh, inertial measurement unit, um, popular in drones. Uh, pretty much all smartphones have it. It's basically just a little uh, piece of electronic device that allows, it, it outputs a signal uh, that tells the machine what direction it's going and the rate of change it's going, uh, that it's moving away from that direction. Um, It's pretty overly simplified, but basically it's just a little device that tells you which direction you're moving and the rate of change from that direction. Well, what that translates to on 
something like the zero-turn mowers, I can use that information. And if I know the position of the lap bars, and if I know the direction that the lawnmower is going, and if the lawnmower deviates from that direction, and it's an unintended deviation from the direction because the lap bars haven't moved, then I can correct for it electronically. So that whole long-winded story means that with the addition of electronic controls and this little gyro accelerometer module, I can correct the zero-turn lawnmower so that when you put the lap bars together for a go-straight type of position, the mower is going to track straight. It'll automatically correct for terrain. It'll automatically correct for um, hillsides. The user still has full control of the vehicle. It's not overriding it or anything. Um, it basically just adds a stability enhancement or a, uh, a straight-line tracking enhancement capability to the machine. worked really well. It should be in production um, from that company soon, if it's not already. Um, but it was one of the things, you know, you get a, a, a good example, I think, using the electronics, using electronics to solve an actual problem. You know, some of the other things that we can do with that type of technology are things like uh, traction control, you know, other things that are, are possible once you have the electronics in the mix. Remote control, for example. So the technology based, once you have the electronic controls on the machine itself, it's pretty easy to turn that machine into uh, a remote control vehicle. You could ride on the machine or hop off in a certain situation where it was necessary to step off the machine or it was safer to use the machine from a, a distance and you could remote control the same machine. The capabilities there showed it in a few of the GIE shows actually. Our conversation continues with Brown where he talks about how he learns what users need to improve their mowing experiences, keeping in mind what they would be willing to pay for those features. Here's more from Brown. Typically what I like to try to figure out a way to solve the problem. So when I'm, when I'm coming up with ideas, I mean, the conversations that I'm having with dealers, with users, um, with people, or whatever the piece of equipment is or whatever the problem is or what they're not even, I don't really want them to tell me what the problem is. I want them to tell me what their experience is and, and, and how they would like to improve it. You know, because, you know, a lot of times on a, for example, back to the, the lawnmowers, the, the, the complaints were these things are hard to drive straight. You know, these things are hard to drive on a hillside. So that was the, that was the complaint. That was the issue. And then I like to look at that issue and try to come up with, you know, what are some creative ways or what are some creative technologies that I can apply to that device to help eliminate or help, uh, improve the experience that they're having problems with. So I, I think the, the main thing for me, or the first thing is to really understand what the user's com either complaint or issue or problem, or what is, what's the experience that they're having that needs to be better, right? And for the, the mower example, it was a, a drivability issue. You know, and really understanding that and being able to pull from you know, my experience in technology in general and to pull from other spaces and other industries and other possibilities to figure out a solution for that. So, you know, one of the things that that we've talked about is a lot of the ideas that I get for, you know, solving problems in these spaces, you know, they certainly don't come from, you know, the typical GIE shows or other shows with, our, with vehicles that are in this space or in this market. 
you know, I spend a lot of time staying up to date on the latest tech, seeing what companies are doing in other fields and other completely unrelated fields or seemingly unrelated fields that are really driving technology. You know, for example, the, again, the, the straight line tracking on the ZT mowers, a lot of that technology is being driven by the drone technology and the drone industry. And um, a lot of the future technology that I think that we'll be able to implement in this space is being driven by, you know, the autonomous drones and the autonomous cars and the semi-autonomous stuff. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of industries at a consumer electronics show, for example, that are really pushing what's possible with technology and pushing the, the pushing what's possible with technology and also pushing the price points down as the volumes go up and also pushing you know, what the what the users experience and what the the end users of the devices actually want. How do they want to use the machines? How do they want to how does a person today want to interact with the machines that they use? And I think taking a look at that and applying those ideas and those principles to you know, the products that are in, in our space, whether it's lawn care, side-by-side, turf care, you know, ag equipment and things like that, I think it's a big deal. And I think the companies that are are going down that path and that are investing in, um, you know, user experience, embracing the, technolo- the technology transformation, they're, I believe they're, they're starting to see the impact of it and starting to see how much of a difference it would make. You know, I think for years in our industry, it's a little slow to adopt adapt new technologies, but I think the companies that have started to are really starting to see the impact. Well, let's talk then about, you know, what you're seeing now within our particular industry in terms of some of this new technology um, and how it's been growing. And then, and then let's look at something maybe a little bit more futuristic. So what do you see evolving now within our industry? One of the things that I'm kind of excited about um, with what we're doing now is you know, with what we've seen at CES and what we've seen in consumer industries and the trends that we're, we're watching, the expectation of buyers is going to be to interact somehow with their machine. This idea of being able to customize the machine for their particular needs, being able to get maintenance reminders from whatever their machine is, really being able to interact with it. And I don't mean interact with it just like, Here's an app that doesn't really do anything. It's an app that's tied to the machine, but it doesn't give me useful functionality. I think what people are wanting, and I think what we're starting to see is people want to be able to do something useful with their machine through some type of an interface. So where I see it in our particular industry and in where I think the viewers are really going to appreciate this or be able to get a lot of value out of this is everybody has a smartphone. It's something like 90 some odd percent of people have some type of smartphone. They already have it, they already have the device. The direction that we're going with Level Up is being able to connect those smartphones to that machine, whatever the machine is. So let's say it's a, I won't use brands, but it's a, a ZT zero turn machine from, you know, from, from pick a manufacturer that's got it. Now that we have the technology and the capability for the user to connect to the machine, see where the machine is in the world, find out whether the machine's being operated, if it's an owner-operator, maybe it's somebody who owns a few machines and they're out in the field or out getting uh, or out running around, you know, they can track the machines, track where the machines are, see who's using the machine, see if it's mowing or see if it's, you know, parked at the convenience store parking lot. 
Now, that technology has been out for a few years. Um, it's fleet tracking. It's actually been out in, you know, things like uh, uh, semi-truck fleets, uh, dispatch, things like that. I've used that type of technology for a long time. But it's just now getting cheap enough and or inexpensive enough that we can start putting it on all of these machines. It's not something where you're having to pay a huge upfront cost or some huge monthly amount to be able to use. We've got the technology now that we can implement it at super low cost onto all the machines. But the biggest difference between what we're doing in those systems is it's not just the GPS tracking. It's not just knowing where the machine is. We're able to actually interact with the machine. So we can tie into, you know, a machine with, for example, that uh, the, the EFI engine, for example. We can tie into the CAN bus of the EFI engine, and the user or the dealer or whoever needs to access it um, can access that EFI engine from their smartphone check for error codes, troubleshooting, adjust settings, whatever it is, without having to buy, you know, some kind of laptop, without having to put in any kind of extra infrastructure in the facilities. So now it's opened up the possibility that without all of that investment in technology, a dealer with this type of system would be able to access, troubleshoot, work with, you know, those systems. As the technology continues to improve on the lawnmowers, you know, for example, the system that we were talking about um, earlier with the stability control those systems can tie into our system and you've got full access to everything on the machine. You've got access to be able to do the programming of the machine. You could set high speed, low speed, um, any type of parameters that would be adjustable on that. Maybe for a new operator, you program it so that it's uh, 50% top speed max to allow them to learn how to use the machine, things like that. So whatever is accessible on through the electronics, you can, the user would be able to adjust or the dealer would be able to adjust. You know, things like efficiency. You know, we can start by being able to track in real time what these machines are doing. We will have the data to be able to track efficiency. You can tie the efficiency or the hours used to the fuel consumption, figure out exactly how much these machines are costing, you know, per hour that they're run, uh, maintenance notifications, maintenance intervals. You know, one of the things that we can monitor is how the machine's being used. Um, we could actually notify the user or the dealer or the user and the dealer that it's time, for example, to change the oil in the hydrostatic transaxles. You know, maybe it's a, one of the conversations that we had with dealers was about how do they stay relevant and how do they compete in the world of Amazon. And what they are, the dealers are experiencing is, you know, instead of taking your mower to the dealer for service, they're taking the mower to their buddy for service. The buddy's ordering the parts from Amazon. The parts are probably wrong the first time. But even if they have to order the parts twice, it's still less expensive than taking the machine to the dealer. So how does the dealer get back in the, the mix of that and start intercepting those orders, if you will, from Amazon? And one of the things that we've talked about with dealers and OEMs is this capability of, you know, not only does now your machine notifies the user or the operator through their smartphone app that it's time for maintenance and that, hey, I'm your, I'm your ZT that's parked in the garage. I need you to change the transaxle oil and the motor oil or the engine oil. Would you like me to schedule this service from your local dealer? Here's your local dealer. And it spits all that information out, makes it very easy for the end user to actually place the order. Or... You know, if you don't want us to schedule the appointment, would you like us to go ahead and get the parts ordered for you and things like that? So 
really being able to tie to get a more intimate relationship between the end user and the dealer and the end user and the OEM and help them tie, I guess, really improve that relationship between everybody so that it becomes easier to place orders, becomes easier to work with so that the dealers actually know exactly what the customers want when the customers have it and they can plan for it and help provide that customer service. Because, you know, they, we may not be able to help them beat the prices on parts when compared to somebody like Amazon, but we can certainly help them improve their uh, end user experience and the experience that that end user has with the dealer. Now, this technology where you're talking about fleet management um, yep. and monitoring, but through an iPhone as opposed to specialized software or equipment, how yep. far along yep. is that development? We're building prototype hardware for a few customers right now. Um, so our plan is to launch the, the, the back-end infrastructure is, is there. So from the smartphone to the cloud um, and from the cloud to the device, that infrastructure is all in place and ready to go. Um, we're actually in the process right now of building the, the prototype hardware devices that will connect to the machine now. So we'll have prototypes available probably by the time you publish anything, but our plan is to be in production with it within three months. And this would be something that, just to understand the whole process, this would be something that the OEMs would already have on the machines, or is it technology that could be added by the dealer, or how does it get to the... Sure. Consumer, it could work either way. Right now, we're in talks with um, a few of the OEMs to, and our plan is to include it. And the OEMs are excited about including it, so it would be offered as a almost like OnStar on a car. So it would come with the mowers with some level of service provided for the first year. After the first year, if the user were to continue the service, there would be some fee to continue. Some subscription fee to continue it, but the plan right now is that we'll launch with a few of the OEMs, and it would be standard on all of their machines. They would the user would have this connectivity included for the first, you know, year or two of their ownership, and if they wanted to continue it um, after that, it would be a subscription-based fee from there. Um, there's no reason we couldn't sell it to the dealers. It could be a dealer-installed option. It could definitely work that way. Um, our focus so far has been with the OEMs, so there's no reason that the technology couldn't be installed by Anybody. I mean, right now it's a plug-in box. It's about the size of a, uh, it's half the size of a cell phone. Hmm, interesting. And, and then I wanted to ask too, when you were talking about the autonomous and, and robotics, is there a difference between yep. autonomous machines and robotic machines? Sort of. It depends. Yes. It's. I mean, I think people kind of throw around the terms a little bit loosely. Typically, when you're when you're automating something, you're making it, at least when I think of autonomous, I'm thinking of something that does a task for me. And it doesn't have to do all of the tasks for me. For example, you know, there's there's different levels of, of autonomy. Maybe an example is, you know, what we I guess what we think about is the lawnmower just mows the yard for me and I don't have to do anything with it, right? Fully autonomous. You know, you hear with the, the cars a lot, things like that. So there's different levels. You know, if you what I like to think about is how can I reduce the workload on the user or the person that's using the machine? Are there tasks that I can automate? Maybe I can automate raising the deck for uneven terrain, you know, but that starts to be a bit of autonomy. Maybe I can automate the zero turn at the end of the, when you finish your, your row of mowing, you hit a button and the machine automatically does a zero turn. Maybe I can automate some of that. 
So I think there's going to be a lot of steps to a fully autonomous mower. For example, maybe I drive the mower to the starting point, hit start, and let the mower finish out the, the, the yard that I've started mowing or something like that. So I think there's different levels to to the autonomy. And I think people typically, I mean, when you say robotics, you're, people are kind of using it interchangeably. That, that's, that's fine. But typically when I think about robotics, I think of mechanically or electromechanically doing something. Right. So like if you've got a, a, a robotic arm or something like that, where I'm controlling an electronic, where a user's controlling an electronically controlled or electronically actuated device. That's kind of where I think about robotics or um, robotics a lot of times can be a remote control types of robotics platform. So yeah, I think people use it generally kind of uh, generally exchangeable, but there's probably a little bit of difference. Right. And then, you know, one thing I've always been interested in is a, a lot of our industry, especially on the consumer side, it, it, people like to mow their lawns. You know, they like to go out and use right. their, their tractors. So how do you right. balance, you know, automating or, you know, wh- whatever you're working on in development with what mm-hmm. people really want to do when they get off work and go back to their properties? Well, what, I think one of the big things for me, one of the things that surprised me, um, I don't know why it surprised me, but it, I had a moment where this hit me. And I, I think our industry, or specifically when you're looking at turf products, zero-turn mowers, big, powerful zero-turn mowers, those the machines are, I think, more closely related to power sports equipment than to a lawnmower. Right? Because if you look at the, the machines that we're selling and the way people are using those machines – you just nailed it. People want to go home, they want to hop on that machine and they want to, you know, play with the power and enjoy the experience of, you know, of running that machine. Right. And it's, it's closer to, I think in a lot of ways, it's closer to power sports. It's closer to a high performance UTV or closer to a high performance quad or closer to a high performance, you know, motorcycle than it is to, you know, what I would consider a, an old school lawn tractor type of lawnmower. Right. If you've got a, if you've got a one acre yard or a half acre yard in the, in the suburbs, you can mow it just fine with a, you know, a, a lawn tractor type, type machine. But yet people are buying, you know, super powerful zero turn mowers to do that same work. Well, it's a, it's an experience. It's all about the user experience. The user wants to play with a high power machine, wants to enjoy it. You know, that's, it's, one of the things that, you know, it's probably a very uh, American view to that type of equipment. It's certainly a different types of equipment that we sell here than what they would use in Europe for doing similar types of jobs. But when you, I think when I was able to put my mind around the idea that this is power sports equipment, not a, a traditional lawnmower, it changes the equation and it changes how you are discussing that very thing, the autonomy. Right, people don't want to autonomously mow their yard if they enjoy mowing and they enjoy the experience. So my thought and my direction is, well, let me make that experience better, right? If I've got, you know, the connectivity through our device and I'm tied into the EFI system and I'm tied into the, uh, the electronic controls on a machine with electronic controls, the question isn't, you know, how do I slow this thing down? The question is, you know, what's the most power I can get out of this thing? You know, look at the technology. If you're going to compare it to power sports, which I think is a good comparison, 
look at the technology that's coming through in quads, UTVs, and everything else. I mean, there's a big push for EFI engines. You get better fuel efficiency. You get better power. You get easier starting. You get all of these, you know, great benefits. And if you can get the programming tool for that EFI engine, whatever that programming tool might be, you get all these different options of which fuel maps do I want to run? Do I want to run the super efficient one or do I want to run the super powerful one? All within the limits of what the manufacturer allows, the engine manufacturer allows. But, you know, we could give that end user the option to really get the most performance out of his, his machine. What new technology can offer consumers is exciting, and there are many benefits for OEMs as well. But how do dealers fit into this process? Braun explains how you as a dealer can play a role. I think the biggest thing the dealers need to do or can do at this point is, you know, push their OEMs that they want this capability. They want this capability. They see the, the value in what the services are that they can provide to their users, but they want this functionality, they want it to be easy to use, and they want it to be inexpensive for them, right? And the direction that we're pushing, our technology is all keeping it simple so that you can use it from your existing smartphone devices, so you don't have to buy a special dedicated PC, you don't have to buy a special dedicated infrastructure or anything. If you or your techs or anybody there has some type of a smartphone, it's just like downloading an app for anything else. It'll give you the connectivity to do the troubleshooting and the service on that machine. So, you know, I think with the, the dealers, for the dealers to embrace this technology and for it to make sense to them, it needs to be simple. It needs to be simple for them to uh, understand, use, and implement. And it's got to be something that they can derive value from and see value. And if we can keep it simple enough that, you know, they don't have to buy all this equipment for it, I think... I think they're going to be the dealers will be excited about it. I think it'll be super useful for the dealers, and I think it's going to help. I don't know if increase, but it's going to help keep the dealers, you know, relevant as more and more stuff goes to online sales and online orders. Right, right. And you had talked, you know, primarily about uh, zero turns, and then also talked about utility vehicles. Sure. What about some of the other? Uh, equipment that our dealers are selling, you know, are you already looking at things related to um, compact tractors and and OPE equipment? Where are some of those developments? The hardware that we're developing is we'll really work on pretty much any machine or any device. We've designed it so that it's that there's enough capability on it that it is very flexible, so that it could be used on what we've targeted right now are, um, like you mentioned, the, the zero turn machines. Uh, the UTV market, uh, it certainly fits well with a, a compact utility tractors. Um, it certainly fits well with something like a, you know, a ditch switch, a skid steer, small pieces of equipment. Um, really, we're trying to, the, a lot of the large equipment that you see in the ag world has some of this capability on it. Right? So at, the, at the, the Louisville, the ag show this year, case, had a huge display that looked like it belonged at CES, um, and it was all about the connected farm, the connectivity of their machines on this network. John Deere has it on a lot of their big equipment. What we're really focusing on is bringing that technology, making that technology available to the lower-cost machines, to the, uh, I guess, making it more widely available. We're not selling a thousands of dollar system. We're selling a very inexpensive piece of hardware that lets you connect through this back end infrastructure that we've created and we can get a lot there's 
we can get it to the OEMs and all their equipment at a, I guess, a super competitive cost. So, you know, compact tractors are definitely in the space. The you know, the side by sides definitely a, a space that we want to play with. But with the cost being as low as it is, we can also tie into things like uh, trailers, RVs, um, things that you're not typically using every day, but maybe you want to. Uh, I think the RV example or the the uh, not necessarily an RV, but a, a, a trailer, like an enclosed trailer type of situation. We can actually tap into the enclosed trailer. Obviously, there's no electronic bus on it, but we could give you the ability to, you know, know the location of it, know what the temperature is inside, know what the humidity is inside. If you wanted to open or close vents on it to uh, to vent the thing, or if you wanted to turn an application where you've got air conditioning or batteries on board, we can not only monitor all of that, but offer the user some control of it. So, and I think that's one of the big differences between what we're offering and a typical like telematics solution is this is all two-way communication and it's two-way communication to the machine, not just to our device. We're turning that machine, whether it's a zero-turn mower or a, a UTV or a, a ditch witch or a, a toy hauler trailer, we're turning it into a truly Internet of Things connected device and allowing the user to interact with that machine from anywhere remotely. What are you facing then in terms of your obstacles? You have a you know a lot of great ideas. You see some of this technology already in play in other industries and mm-hmm. easily adaptable. So what are some of the roadblocks that you're seeing? I, I think there's some fear that uh, the customers don't want the technology or there's some fear that the customers won't get the benefit out of the technology. Um, and I think there's some fear that the dealers won't get the benefit out of the technology. I don't think anybody's really pushed a product like this with a focus on how it could value the dealers or how it could bring value or bring, I mean, not necessarily value, but how is it going to bring revenue to the dealers? Because at the end of the day, you know, bringing revenue to the dealers, bringing revenue to the OEMs is is important, you know, bringing a better experience to the end user is important. So I, I think, I don't think people have, have been able to see yet a clear path for how this could truly benefit, you know, everyone along the, along the line. And I think that's, you know, back to our, our earlier point, I think a lot of people are creating connected devices without really knowing what the problem is they need to solve. So what what I think we focused on here is not a solution looking for a problem, which I think happens a lot of times, you know, when you're when you're looking at this type of technology. But we focused on a solution that would solve a whole bunch of different problems. And I think when people realize that and really see what we can do and what the capabilities are, uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of people a lot of people use this technology. Um, and I think what's going to happen, or at least what I what I foresee in the next, in the short term is I think we'll see it from a few OEMs um, in the next year. And then I think within two years, we're going to see it from a lot of the OEMs. I think it's going to spread very quickly through the industry. So back to the dealer question, you know, push for it to be cheap, have the conversation with your OEMs, tell them you want it, you want it to be inexpensive, you want it to be easy to use and, you know, drive it from the bottom up, push what technology or what features you want, what, connect or what uh, you know, what would you like it to do push it up to the OEMs and you know we'll certainly help 
on our side get the features that they want and that the users want built out and pushed down to them. I think that's a good point because we don't want dealers to feel that they're left out of this whole process. That, you know, things are right. being developed and then they're going to be asked to support it or asked to sell it. And so you're you're telling dealers they've got to get into the discussion right now. Get in early. Get in early. Tell them what they want. Because the, if, the, if, the, if the benefit if of this is helping the dealers form a better relationship with their end users and customers, and a benefit of this is helping the OEMs form a better relationship with the dealers, and the OEMs form a relationship with the end users, then it's critical that the input from the dealers is is there to see how they want this all built out. You know, because we we've got the hardware built out, we've got the infrastructure to do it. The app portion or the way that the the user actually inter- interacts, that's OEM specific. You know, that would be custom for that's custom for each OEM. So and each OEM's dealer network. So the experience that the end user has is 100% specific to their OEM and to their machine. So knowing what the dealer wants is is critical. The dealer's gonna be a user and a hugely important user in this entire system. So yeah, they've gotta speak up and say what they want. You know, what part of our process in designing the app portion of this platform is working with the dealers, reaching out to the dealers and seeing, you know, what do, what do they want? And actually letting the dealers use it um, before it's launched to make sure that we've hit the mark and given them something that actually adds value and something that they can use. Yeah, good. And I wanted to ask too, you had talked about really what's going to be coming up in the next couple of years and you had referenced sure. a couple of times the Consumer Electronics Show and what about looking really into the future, maybe 10 years? Are you already thinking about what could happen in, in 10 years for our industry and technology? Yeah, definitely. I, I think you've got to look that far out. And I, I think if you watch, our industry is a little bit behind some of the industries like automotive and some of the other spaces. I think you will see more autonomous in the next few years. Um, I think I think there are a lot of people that love to mow their yards and like to, the power and want to use it, take advantage of it. So I think they will have more options, more power, more programmability. And I think you'll see autonomous come a long way. I think you'll see autonomous, you know, in, uh, in municipalities and in institutions, things like that, where there's um, large spaces that they need to be maintained on a regular basis. I think you'll start seeing more autonomous pop in, you know, the small autonomous ones in the backyards. I, I think they'll continue to to grow steadily. But I, I, I think what you know, the, the big autonomous will be, we'll see it more and more in the next few years. I think you'll see more power available to the the people who want still want to drive the machine. And I think you're going to start seeing things like the full electrics and the hybrids start becoming more popular in our space. I think that with the, you see it in automotive, you see it with, you know, a lot of the legislation that's coming through in Europe. And um, I think there'll be a big push. I think over the next, you know, few years, we're going to see a lot more really good electric full electric machines and hybrid machines become available in, in all in all of the categories that we just talked about. We're going to see full electric zero-turn mowers that are, you know, there's some pretty good ones out there right now, but we're going to see more good electric ZTs. Um, we're going to see more good electric side-by-sides. We're going to see more good electric um, equipment in a lot of those, those categories. Um, I think as the prices of the electronics come down, as the prices of the batteries come down, as the price of gas goes back up, that technology will continue to uh, come into our space. I think 
It's going to be just exactly like the EFI conversation, though. The dealers have got to just push, push, push on their OEMs to make sure that all of that equipment, electronic and everything else, is still easy to service, it's still easy to work on, it's still easy to troubleshoot. Because same conversation that I had with dealers before, they're not going to hire an electrical engineer to have to figure out how to troubleshoot you know, some problem on the full electric machine, they'll choose not to shoot, sell the full electric machine. So it's not the it's not the dealer's fault that they don't want to support that. It, in my opinion, is the OEM needs to make it easy enough to support that it's super simple for the dealer to to embrace that technology. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion with Alan Brown of Level Up Development about zero turn mower technology. He covered a lot of topics including what technology can be adapted from other industries, what's coming in terms of automation and more. He also encourages dealers to play a role and communicate what you need to your OEMs and not just be a bystander. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. If you're not yet a podcast subscriber, our series is currently available on iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. And if you're not yet a subscriber to our print or digital content, head on over to RuralLifestyleDealer.com and join our community. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.